Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross app, FightfulMMA.com here. Going to give you a bit of a preview of this weekend's UFC 247 show. Reminder, FightfulMMA.com has all of your MMA news. And uh, even better than that, great live coverage with a ton of people commenting throughout throughout the show. We get thousands of comments on these pay-per-view shows. We do predictions ahead of that on our Pick'em. Uh, join in. And if you're listening on the YouTube channel, leave a thumbs up, subscribe. Comment your picks on the fight below. I'm going to go ahead and give you some betting odds and some general thoughts on this show. It's one of those UFC shows where they have three pretty good fights and the rest is an utter trash fire of just uninteresting matchups, at least from a a relevance perspective. There are some that aren't so bad, but let's go ahead and kick you off. Austin Lingo, a minus 240 against the plus 200. Yusef Zalel. You have Andre Ewell, a minus 125 against the plus 105, Jonathan Martinez. Uh, the thing about Andre Ewell is I, I thought he was going to be a, a top 15 guy in the division, and it just hasn't panned out for him. He's going to need to beat Jonathan Martinez in this Bantamweight fight if he wants to, I think, maybe ever get to that level because Jonathan Martinez has won two in a row. Andre Ewell has stuttered a lot here and there. So that one's a, not a tough one for me to pick. I have Andre Ewell winning that, but I think he needs to win that. Domingo Pilarte, a minus 125 against Journey Newsom, who is a plus 105. Mario Batista, a plus 105 underdog against Miles Johns, the minus 125. Miles Johns is undefeated. Uh, another Bantamweight fight. It looks like we have back-to-back-to-back Bantamweight fights, which is particularly interesting how heavy they went on Bantamweight fights back-to-back-to-back when there are no backup light heavyweights on this show that I'm aware of. There there are backup women's flyweights, but no backup heavyweights on this show. So a little bit weird to me that they they went that route, but they they could do a lot worse, I guess. I mean, I I don't exactly think you're going to see Trevin Giles, who's a minus-140 
uh, or Antonio Arroyo, a plus 120 underdog middleweight, just going to halt cutting weight and get a light heavyweight title shot against John Jones if something happens to, to Reyes. But uh, it's a little curious to me considering so many of the issues that John Jones has faced and just the overall unpredictability of a UFC fight week that they went so heavy on Bantamweights and didn't run a backup light heavyweight. Now I say heavy, but it's only three fights, but still. Uh, Mario, or Miles Johns is undefeated. He came off the Contender Series uh, last year. He came back, I think he turned around and fought less than three months later and beat Cole Smith. And uh, uh, Mario Batista got, he, he got beaten, but he got beaten early by Corey Sandhagen. Like, that that was not a, that was, he was a plus 430 in that fight. He wasn't supposed to win that fight. And he fell victim to, quite frankly, one of the best submissions of the year from Corey Sandhagen. But he came back, he beat Jin So Sun. He was an underdog there too, had a great fight of the night. So it, at the very least, Based on what we've seen out of him in his UFC career, Mario Batista is going to be involved in something exciting. That's really the only uh, bit of track record that we have within the UFC of any consistency. Because he he wasn't going to beat Sandhagen, man, and he wasn't supposed to either. I don't think Kalen Williams at a plus 220 is supposed to defeat the minus 260 Alex Morono. I think that line is where it is or where it should be. Uh, not Not to write Kalen Williams off or anything like that. Uh, he's had a really good go of it in 2019. He's he's done a little bit of everything. Uh, and that says a lot to me. When you see fighters that knock a guy out in 24 seconds, when they submit a guy with one second left in the round, when they take somebody to the scorecards, and they do that all within a year, well, that shows me that they're at least versatile. They're at least competent in that regard. And uh, we know Alex Morono is. He's won four of his last five. He's beaten Max Griffin, Zach Atal, Keenan Song, Josh Bertman. He's beaten some guys. Now, he, he lost to Jordan Meehan a couple years back, but since then has just done fantastically and was supposed to face Diego Lima here, but ended up getting Kalen Williams. And I think Kalen Williams is a pretty good call-up for the UFC. I don't think this will be a wasteful one. It's a guy that, that probably... Should be in the UFC. Uh, he had a, Kalen Williams had a really good amateur career too. He fought as an amateur for a couple of years before turning pro, but he fought 14 times, won 11 of those fights. So I know that a lot of people look at the nine and one record. Guys fought like 30 times almost, or maybe 25 times. <clears throat> so, uh, if he pulled off an upset, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, he's probably one of my, I got five on it. Up next, another, uh, perhaps I got five on it, plus 275 Lauren Murphy against the minus 335 Andrea Lee. Now, here's the thing. Both of these women should make championship weight. No ifs, ands, or buts. Both women should make championship weight. You gotta. You never know what'll happen. If Valentina Shevchenko, if something happens to her, no title fight. They ain't doing an interim. If something happens to Caitlin Chikagan, Chikagian, one of these two women are going to get the call. Now, I know that Andrea Lee just lost to Joanne Calderwood, but Lauren Murphy's coming off of a win over Mara Romero Barela, which is a nice one. I didn't expect her to win that fight. She's won two of her last three. I do think that Andrea Lee is the bigger name, 
and it was a split decision against Joanne Calderwood. Honestly, and the UFC does not care if you're coming off the loss. But still, I think the line is right for this. Uh, maybe, maybe I would have it at a minus 225 instead of a minus 335. But I think Andrea Lee's going to win this fight. I think she is the better fighter. She, she won her first three UFC fights. They were not, uh, exactly, uh, fights that the UFC steps up and says, hey, let's give her a title shot. The fight against Veronica Macedo was awesome. It was fun. And she was finishing people in Invicta and LFA and Legacy and all that stuff, but, uh, not so much in the UFC. Uh, Lauren Murphy, on the other hand, when she does win, she has shown in the UFC that she can and will finish. Sometimes it, it just takes her to the third round to do so. I got Andrea Lee earning the win here. I like her, and if something happens to, um, to, if something happens to Shikagan, I, I just think that Andrea Lee is going to be the one to step in. I mentioned Trevin Giles, minus 140. Antonio Arroyo, a plus 120. I like this one, where it is too. Um, Trevin has to win this fight to stay in the UFC. He came in, he won his first two fights, but they're putting him against a guy that they, that I think is in Antonio Arroyo that also lost his first UFC fight. He won two contender series fights, so they, they like him in that regard, but since then has not had luck. Uh, Kevin Holland had to pull out of their planned fight. Alessio D. Shakirio uh, pulled out of their fight, and then he ended up facing Andre Muniz on late notice and pff, the, canceled, moved. He's had trouble um, getting in the K, or, or at least keeping a consistent opponent. But he's turning around three months later and facing Trevin Giles, and quite frankly, is a fight where both guys need it to to win. And as I mentioned earlier, if something happens to Dom Reyes, one of these guys aren't stepping in. They're not going to say, hey, guys that don't win, stop cutting weight. Let's let's do a title fight. I mean, maybe, yeah, maybe uh, they, they should have rethought that. Well, I am very excited for Derek Lewis, a minus 250 against the plus 210 Eler Latifi. Oh, boy. <clears throat> Eler Latifi not having a great go of it lately. Just a rough go of it. Uh, this guy, man. Oh, so, he had to pull from the Ovent St. Prue fight. They rescheduled it for a month later. He pulled from the Glover to Sheriff fight. He had to fight Corey Anderson. Got, got beaten. Got beaten. Then, uh, he had a back injury about six months later. Couldn't get in there against Ozdemir. There were visa issues just a couple months later. Then they had, they moved it to uh, a week after it was supposed to happen, and he lost. So now he's moving up, facing Derek Lewis, because at this point, you've lost two in a row. You're 36 years old. Just stop cutting the weight. Compete against heavyweights. And Derek Lewis is Derek Lewis, man, but we haven't seen the Derek Lewis that we know and love in his last three fights. He beat Blagoy Ivanov, and that's an awesome win. It really is. An outstanding win in my, in my, in my estimation. But we saw him get finished by Junior Dos Santos. We saw him get finished by Daniel Cormier. We're not gonna pretend like, uh, like, uh, he was looking great against Volkov before he slugged him. 
He did beat Francis Ngannou, so that's cool. The thing is about about Derek Lewis, you can never count him out of a fight. One series of punches will do it, and even if his gas tank looks like it's empty, and it might be, it might be empty, he might not have anything left in the tank, he's still going to throw like he does. And if you show him any sense of weakness, and he connects with your jaw, he's going to follow up with that. Now, the game for Elo Latifi is obvious. He's going to try to wrestle, and he should try to wrestle. But um, the interesting thing about this fight is they put it first on the pay-per-view. Because quite honestly, damn, nobody's going to pay attention to that first hour unless this is there. Now, there's a heavyweight fight. Oh, my God. Tapology has Justin Taffa ranked the number 129th heavyweight in the world. He's a plus 200 against Juan Adams, who is 5-2 and two and is at least athletic, but has lost two fights in a row. Justin Taffa is 0-1 in his UFC career. Why didn't they just add something else to this? Now, I'm... Uh, man, I just don't get it, man. I just don't get it, man. I know OSP and Ryan Spahn was supposed to happen on this show. They were supposed to have Jimmy Rivera and Marlon Vera. They were supposed to have Alex Morono and Diego Lima, and that one got changed a little bit. But, oh, my God, man. If this did not have John Jones at the top of it, Valentina Shevchenko right underneath, that's it. It's a three-person show because you, you hope that people still care about Derek Lewis. I think Juan Adams is going to win this fight. I th- I think. Hopefully it ends in one round. Hopefully it ends in one round because we don't need to wait until midnight for Valentina Shevchenko to get into the cage. We don't need that, man. Damn. Dan Ige, a plus 120 against Mirsad Bektic. Now here's the thing. This this isn't a bad fight at all. Uh, By all means, it's probably probably a top 15 fight. But uh, you've got Dan Ige who's won four of his four straight fights. In the UFC, uh, he, he did get beat by Julio Arce. Uh, la- I, no, it was two years ago he got beat by Julio Arce. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. He's one of those guys that if he gets it to the ground, you're in trouble. He was able to tap out Danny Henry in a minute. He was able to finish Mike Santiago with ground and pound in under a minute, I think. He beat Kevin Aguilar, and that was a hell of a win for him. Even though the odds were almost even for that Kevin Aguilar fight, I really liked that win for him. I thought that was a good win because he's not being put in there against guys that he's set to blow away. Even even when he beat Luis Gomez on on Dana White's contender series, he was a, a slight underdog. It was near even, but it was a slight underdog. Uh, Arce, Santiago, uh, Griffin, Henry, Aguilar, all these fights are like a, a minus 182 plus like 115 swing on them. Like pretty, pretty close, pretty close. And the Mirsad Bektic fight is near even odds right now. 
Bektich did run into Josh Emmett in July. But before that, he was looking real good when he could get into the cage. When he could get into the cage, he pulled out of the Moicano fight. Uh, he couldn't get in the cage in October 2016 because his opponents kept getting injured. I know that he had to pull out of the Kawajiri fight in late 2015. Uh, Moicano had pulled out in, in the middle of 2015 and he ended up beating uh, Martins. There was a situation in, I want to say 2014, where he and his opponent got hurt. Um, he was supposed to fight Max Holloway at one point. He got hurt. There, he's had like eight fights canceled, for better or for worse. Half his, half on him, half on somebody else, but... Before the Emmett loss, he beat Pepe and, and with a beautiful body punch, beautiful body punch, and beat Ricardo Lamas via split decision. But the thing is, he's fought one time in the last year and a half. One time in the last year and a half, and he lost. Now, let's go back, I don't know, three-plus years ago. Since November 2016, the man has only fought four times, and that's just not quite as active as a guy like Dan Ige, who is getting in there two to three times every single year since then. I mean, Ige has fought like eight times in that period. Twice as much. I gotta go with Ige here. Gotta go with him. Valentina Shevchenko, a minus 1100 against the plus 700 Caitlin Shikagian. You gotta put five on it. Caitlin Chikagian, even though I don't have her winning this, is the kind of fighter that can frustrate you. She has no finishes in the UFC. She has six wins in the UFC. Both of her losses were split decisions. It could have went either way. She did earn this title shot. Uh, we're not gonna pretend like it was exciting getting there. We're not going to pretend like she had the greatest fights in the world. But she beat Joanne Calderwood. She beat Alexis Davis. She beat Barea. She beat Irene Aldana. She has some good wins. Now, she, man, those Jessica I and Liz Carmouche fights were, were very close. I don't think she's going to win this. I think Valentina Shevchenko has a lot of tools. The thing with Shikagin is, uh, her reach is, it has played to her advantage. She's five foot nine. She has a 66, 66 inch reach. Shevchenko is like four or five inches shorter than her, but the reach is only like a half an inch difference. Now, what does reach mean in MMA? Hell if I know. Hell if I, it, leg reach has something to do with it too. But man, I remember it was evident. In 2014, when Caitlin Chikagian was an amateur, that she was going to be good. I watched uh, Caitlin Chikagian beat a, a woman by the name of Gina Elliott, who fights locally here in Kentucky. Uh, she, I saw her beat Vanessa Demopoulos in 2013. And I was like, okay, this is somebody that's probably going to be in the UFC in a few years. She was in the UFC two years after she was fighting as an amateur. It's unbelievable. And... She wasn't just beating scrubs as an amateur. You know Andrea Lee on the prelims, who I talk about maybe replacing her if so, if some terrible weight cut situation unfolds. She was beating Andrea Lee on the prelim on the on the amateur circuit. She was six and zero. Oh. A lot of the women that you fight on the amateur circuit 
in MMA, you're going to run into in, in, in the pro circuit. That's just the way it is. The pool isn't quite as large. She's got great wins over, over Sajara Eubanks, too. Not not a cakewalk. I don't see this as a minus 1100 cakewalk for Valentina Shevchenko. I do have her winning. Quite honestly, if I had to rank them all time, I think that Valentina Shevchenko is the second best women's MMA fighter of all time. My rankings go as followed. Top five. Amanda Nunes. Valentina Shevchenko. Chris Cyborg, Joanna Janjacek, Ronda Rousey. You can you can flip around four and five if you want. Those are my top five. I think Valentina Shevchenko is that good. She has two losses. Well, let's take a look at her resume. Valentina Shevchenko beat Joanna Janjacek. Well, who's Joanna Janjacek? Well, she's the greatest 115 pound fighter ever. They fought at 125. Shevchenko beat her. Shevchenko is the greatest 125-pound fighter of all time. Make no mistake about it. The greatest of all time. And uh, became the the flyweight champion in beating Joanna. And has since beaten Liz Carmouche, who gave a hell of a fight to Ronda Rousey. Beat Jessica I. But this is this is her biggest test, I think. But let's keep going. She beat Holly Holm. Well, who the hell's Holly Holm? Former UFC bantamweight champion, who quite frankly could have been the UFC featherweight champion. Well, all right then. Her only losses are to the greatest women's MMA fighter ever and current UFC bantamweight and featherweight champion Amanda Nunes. So quite frankly, we have seen Valentina Shevchenko hang in there or beat the greatest 115, 125s, 135s, 145s of all time. Of all time. It's pretty impressive. John Jones is also impressive, but he is a plus 450 against Dom Reyes, a plus 360. Reyes is undefeated. John Jones should be, you know the drill with John Jones. He is maybe... The greatest MMA fighter of all time. You can say what you want about anything you want of him, but Dom Reyes took a path to get here, man. Early on, he was beating guys like uh, Joachim Christensen and Jeremy Kimball, but man, he, when he's beating Jared Cannonier, that's a good win. When he's beating Ovent St. Prue, Okan Ozdemir, Chris Weidman, those are good wins. Those are good wins. Altogether throughout pro and amateur, I believe he's like 16 and 0. And him, him beating Chris Weidman in the fashion that he did got him that fight. Now the Ozdemir fight was close. The Ozdemir fight was very close. But he was finishing people before that too. First round. John Jones needs somebody to bring the pressure to him. If you allow John Jones to play the John Jones game, well, that's going to be bad news. That's that's when John Jones gets to, gets into his comfort zone, kicks you in the knee, takes you down, lays on you, lands some strikes. John Jones is rarely pressured. 
rarely pressured. And the last time he was, was Tiago Santos, and uh, that worked out well for Santos, all things considered. Tiago Santos almost won that fight. Now, will it work for everybody? No, but for Dominic Reyes's skill set, that's your best option, buddy. That's what you got. Good to see Jones active in the early part of 2020. He had two fights last year. He had one in 2018. It's amazing through all the suspensions. He's had several year-long suspensions. There hasn't been a single year John Jones hasn't fought. It's just gone are the days of him fighting three times in an actual year. Now, he did fight three, he fought three times in eight months. Three times in really seven months when he beat Gustafson in December 18, beat Anthony Smith a couple months later, and then four months later he came back and fought Santos and took a, a well-deserved break after that, I thought. Because he, he, he came back to his division and was like, all right, all these guys, all these guys here, who do we got? Anthony Smith? Let's get, let's knock him, let's finish him. Not finish him, but knock, knock him out of the contention. Alexander Gustafson, let's maybe retire that man. Tiago Santos, he, he bumped up from middleweight like Anthony Smith. I'll take him too. Johnny Walker, gotta go win some fights, buddy. You got close, but no cigar. So who's left? Well, we got Dom Reyes. Bring Dom Reyes on. I respect this about John Jones. He could very, very easily go to heavyweight. And a lot of people would be like, yeah, sure, of course. Why not? Go to heavyweight. But John Jones is saying, no, you know what? I want to clear out my division. There's still some contenders here. Well, when he said there were still some contenders here, that was a year ago. He's been clearing them out. He's been taking them to school, man. Now, Corey Anderson fights next week. If he wins, that's another one. And the thing is, John Jones does not back down from a challenge. John Jones does not say, oh, you know what? I don't think he's worthy. You don't really ever see that out of John Jones. It is the anti-Henry Cejudo. I can't stand Henry Cejudo for that. He wants to fight anybody that doesn't win, and that drives me up a wall. Say what you want about John Jones, John Jones is fighting the contenders. John Jones is is doing whatever it is that he can to to keep that to keep that division churning, to keep it going. And up next, if he wins this, it's got to be Corey Anderson. Anderson's won four in a row. He beat Johnny Walker, Glover Teixeira, Patrick Cummins, Ilo Latifi, and if he beats Jan Blahovich. And you better believe the UFC wants him to, then it's gotta be Corey Anderson. If Blahovich wins, it's probably him, because he's won six of his last seven, including Jacare and Rockhold and Krylov, Manoa, Cannoneer. He's beaten a lot of good guys. Now, I, you know, there are some guys like Rockhold and Weidman who the UFC would probably like to win, but they, they need to win. Can't put the front runners in there, dude. We will have a post-show podcast or maybe a watch-along. I'll determine that towards the end of the week. Uh, let me know what you guys want. Do you want a watch-along for the main event? Do you want a post-show review? I'm down for a little bit of everything. The watch-along worked out great. But thank you all so much. Until next time.
We're out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.